In today's show, we're joined by James Wong, CEO of Cathasia Securities. Good morning, James. Good morning. And by Barry Wood, who is RTHK's international economics correspondent. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Nitin. So, um, overnight, we saw strong jobs data. Um, it seems to suggest that the Fed is going to continue to or maybe raise rates once more time and continue to keep the rates quite high. The markets reacted negatively, but the Fed has actually been pretty consistent in its message that that's what it was going to do. So why the negative rea- Why such a big negative reaction? I'll start with you, James. Yeah, I think you're right. The, uh, the Fed has been very clear about sending its message for keeping the rates higher for longer. And uh, I think the market, uh, we can uh, look at it the two ways, both, uh, both the equity market and the uh, bond market. The equity market has been fighting with the Fed for about a year and a half now. Uh, going back to March of last year, you can see the equity market did not believe the Fed has the have what, what it takes to raise rates uh, to the point that it can come back to inflation. So uh, last March, last May, last uh, August, then last uh, November, then this year January, it's all market equity market fighting back to what fight what Fed uh, stated that they would do, but. Uh, we can see that the equity market actually won after several failures last year, actually won this year because of the narrative uh, for generative AI dominating the uh, the U.S. equity market. But the bond market has really not seen uh, to what Fed has said. And uh, so that's why when we see the last uh, the read meeting that was over and uh, uh, Jay Powell was having a, a press conference and he basically said to the bond traders that why wouldn't you listen to us because we've told you that the rates are going to be higher for longer and we're not going to cut rates uh, for uh, we're, we're not going to cut rates that much uh, next year and we're not definitely not going to be cutting rates this year so I think the bond markets bond markets reacted pretty uh, quickly towards the uh, the median of the dot plot for the latest uh, rate meeting. And uh, now they're in a little bit of uh, overreaction region. And uh, I don't think this is going to last for that long. But again, I think the equity market reacted pretty negatively because financial conditions have been tightening. And uh, the narrative of generative AI kind of lost steam uh, over the past two months. And rates are becoming important again. And I think uh, the narrative of a, uh, a hard landing or a, or a recession has uh, reemerged. So that's why I think the equity market has been uh, reacting a little negatively lately. And Barry? Yes, I, I, I think James has got it right. Look, I, I don't think that um, the financial market participants believed the Fed would hold rates as high as they now believe they will. And they were looking for rate cuts in 2024, maybe two or four. The Fed suggests maybe there could be two, but one more rate increase this year is possible. So you've got a huge shift in the bond market. I think the, the, the people are beginning to realize that the 40-year run in bond prices uh, is, is over. And uh, this is now a really different market where look at that 
figure that you quoted, Nitin, that the 10-year is at 4.8%. That's extraordinary. That is a very rapid rise. So we've got some savers in the United States. Add to that all of the chaos that occurred in the last few hours in Washington, and I think you've got a lot of pessimism in United States markets. Well, you've got the 10-year at 4.8. You've even got the 30-year, I think, at 4.9. And then, you know, I'm reading about 30-year mortgages currently trading at 8%. All of that's surely got to have some sort of impact on the consumer. But yet it seems from the outside that the, the U.S. economy is still holding up quite well. Um, so does that mean they can absorb yeah. these higher rates, Barry? Well, they have so far. But I, I've just been at Jim Grant's bond market conference in New York City. And my goodness was their pessimism. These are contrarians. And they're looking to say, hold it, there's a recession coming. Just look at United States debt. You know, we're going to hit a trillion dollars of debt in that fiscal deficit for fiscal 24, a, bit, a trillion dollars. And look at interest rates. They had been 3% on federal debt, they're now going to be 5%, 6%. That is going to really squeeze the propensity to, to spend. And yet, there's no sign from Republicans or Democrats that they will cut spending. So yeah, I think a lot of people are looking for a recession in 2024, despite what you've said accurately about the economy holding up. We'll see for how much longer. And James, how are you looking at the U.S. economy? Um, as Barry said, the debt is a big issue, um, and yet keeps hap it keeps seeming that they just keep kicking the can down the road. And how long can they keep doing that for? Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of things that are wrong with the U.S. economy. I kind of, I'm kind of uh, optimistic towards the uh, the U.S. market and and U.S. Uh, uh, U.S. economy. Because uh, it, it, Barry is definitely right. Uh, we've seen debt growing at a speed that we've never seen before. So for the, the three months ended before uh, August, the, uh, the United States Treasury had accumulated about one trillion debt in about three months, and that's a very uh, record-breaking speed. And then in September, we've seen a lot of investment-grade companies issuing debts. And that kind of drained the liquidity that should have been or could have been flowing to the uh, the national debt. So that's uh, one reason why we've seen uh, the uh, the yield on the uh, on the treasuries have been growing so quickly. And uh, but the thing is, if we are not investing in the U.S. equity market, where else should we invest in? So for for an ordinary company in the uh, in the uh, Nasdaq or S and P 500, you can see. The ROE of that company being 20, 25, it's, it's just normal. But if you are investing in Hong Kong market or any other regional market, if you've seen a, a, a company with the 25 ROE, it's like a treasure. It's like being hunted for or seek, uh, seek after, sought after. So I don't, I don't think the, uh, the investors around the globe have too many choices other than investing in U.S. equity, uh, in US equity market. And economy-wise, we've seen a... Uh, a spike in the uh, soft data uh, uh, indicators lately, but we've seen a uh, fall uh, basically since the, the lowest point since April for the hard data. I think that's going to take a toll for uh, on the, uh, the sentiment of the market. But still, I don't. I, I, the only thing that I'm concerned about for the economy is consumers because the uh, the uh, aggregate domestic savings for U.S. residents have. Strength about uh, 
90% after the uh, stimulus money have uh, uh, make uh, after the stimulus money hit their savings accounts. So that that's probably going to take a, take a toll on the uh, spending figures, uh, consume consumption figures. But but again, apart from this, I don't really see uh, a very big problem with the U.S. U.S. economy. It's very bullish. James, do you do do you remember? when uh, Bill Gross spoke about the global economy and said that the United States was the cleanest dirty shirt that there was available. And I think in terms of your question about where do you invest is appropriate in that regard. Yes, I think relative to the rest of the world, maybe these problems here in the States are relatively not the biggest. but. Look at how, as Nitin said, these mortgage interest rates have squeezed any home buyer. And the property market, particularly in commercial, is really going to be slammed. And that'll have an effect on the banks. So, you know, where are you going to put money? I don't know. Maybe treasuries are where you want to be now. You can get, what, 4.8% on a 10-year? You can get uh, pretty good... Uh, return on corporate debt, but it's risky. So, yeah, you're optimistic. I'm pessimistic. And Barry, on that note, being uh, pessimistic, uh, Congress is having a bit of fun at the moment, and we've just saw uh, Kevin McCarthy ousted. Um, what are the implications, <coughs> excuse me, what are the implications on the government and um, how the country runs on that and the potential financial impacts in terms of keeping the country going? Right. First of all, I have to offer a caveat. I was on another RTHK program 24 hours ago saying that Kevin McCarthy had won the battle. Wow, was I wrong. <laughs> I was really wrong. This now is a man who seems to want to just flee from what kind of contest he's been through. What does it mean? It means momentary, that's at least another seven days, maybe 45 days of chaos in the United States, what you saw was a coalition, not intentional and not working together, but the effect of the far right of the Republican Party joining with the Democrats, because not one Democrat joined to support Kevin McCarthy in the vote in the last few hours. Therefore, they wanted to see Kevin McCarthy gone. Kevin McCarthy was the only possibility of short-term stability in the House of Representatives. So now it's chaos. No one knows what's going to happen. The Republicans have been weakened. The Democrats are probably, as I heard a commentator say, doing backflips. They're delighted because the Republicans <laughs> seem to be self-destructing. And James, have you got any thoughts on uh, how this is going to affect uh, government in the U.S.? Yeah, I, I originally thought it was going to be a non-event, but it doesn't look this way uh, right now. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, chaotic is never a good thing for the market. And uh, I'm not sure if uh, McCarthy can be voted again for the House Speaker role. Because, he, I mean, I mean he, he went through about 15 rounds of votes to be... That's uh, right. The House Speaker, right? So, so maybe they can yep. vote him again. I, I'm not even sure about that. Well, any tick. I don't think anyone is, James. 
Yeah. Sorry, Barry, continue. It's, it's very hard to say. I mean, who's going to step forward? The, the new speaker pro tem, <laughs> his name doesn't matter, says they'll have something in their caucus by next Monday, a, a list of candidates and a vote on Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week. Well, you know, this is that that's almost heroic thinking that the Republicans could resolve this in in less than a week. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Does the vote con uh, constitute both Democrats and Republicans or do just the Republicans vote? No, no, it would be just the Republicans because, first of all, the rules of the House of Representatives now say very clearly there's no possibility of this being altered. The first order of, and the only order of business is to elect a speaker. Well, the Republicans have a five or six vote majority de facto in the House of Representatives. So it's up to them to step forward with a nominee. Now, that's not to say that the Democrats couldn't support it, but I think the Democrats will have to do some calculating to see whether they would want to support whomever, that could be Kevin McCarthy again, or whether they want this chaos to continue. They have a priority of getting more money to Ukraine. And some Republicans, and perhaps a growing number, say, no, no, let's deal with the southern border where we have essentially got an open border and people are flooding in. Let's do that before Ukraine. So there's immense uncertainty. And as James said, that's not good for the market. All right. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. So it's a great discussion. So I'd like to thank both James Wong, CEO of Carthasia Securities, and Barry Wood, who's RTHK's International Economics Correspondent, for coming in. Thank